Here's what's coming up on today's show. But the odds that their demise could stoke another financial crisis appears fairly small. And I think what you're seeing this week is mostly emotional reactions. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for your Retirement Elevated. We've got a whale of a podcast for you today. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan, and we are tackling what's been dominating the news for the last, I don't know, 48, 72 hours, however long it's been since uh, some of this bank craziness started to begin. Scott, I am really glad I'm talking to you today. We are recording this for everybody so that you know on a Monday in 2023, and let's see, let's give the exact date. I don't even know what day it is, Scott. The 13th. Uh, the 13th. Monday the 13th. Oh, no, Monday the 13th. It's, <laughs> you picked right up on that, Scott. Uh, so, yeah, so keep in mind, if you're listening to this episode several days from now, certainly new information could have come out. But sort of where things stand right now with people trying to react to what's going on with the bank crisis. And if you don't know what we're talking about, well, we'll give you details on that in a few moments as well. But I know you're probably getting some questions about this, Scott. Maybe they're just around the water cooler questions. Maybe they're questions from uh, you know clients or folks that you just happen to be meeting with in the office this week. Take us down the road. Let's unpeel the layers a little bit here. What's going on with this SVB bank run? I don't know if we've given it an official global term yet, but whatever this kind of latest crisis is uh, that we have on our radar. And I also want to point out that this is the apocalypse du jour. Yeah, you've done lots of episodes media. about this, right? Yes. And this is the current one. And you can read a headline that says, hey, you know, this is isolated. It's not going to be a big deal. And then there's going to be other articles or headlines say, oh, my gosh, this is the beginning of the end. Canary in the coal mine. Yes. Um, I don't, I don't know what to think. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to approach this with logic and facts. I know that's going to be very surprising for most people here. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to tune out if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not going to sensationalize this. We're going to get down to the heart of the matter. And we're going to attach to this a great uh, piece by our chief investment officer, Mike Sorrentino and his team. Uh, Mike also recorded a video over the weekend. And so that's going to be embedded in the podcast. And, you know, this is also going to go out via email to our clients uh, as a standalone e-newsletter. E uh, but since you and I are on the schedule today, I'm like, you know what, let's talk about this. Let's get this out there and give people a better understanding of what we know as of today. And so the Silicon Valley Bank uh, was a well-respected institution that catered to an elite clientele and a lot of Silicon Valley startups a lot of venture capital companies, their range of clientele was pretty narrow. So they kind of kind of have a niche and they were shut down on Friday. That was when the news just started. Um, now, we've not had a bank, a big bank failure in a long time. I'd like to put this into context, Nassim Tlaib, he wrote The Black Swan, uh, which is a very interesting book. Uh, over the weekend, he said, well, let's look at history and let's put this in perspective. He goes, if you go pre-1980s, uh, you had a bank failure about every other day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. say that again? Every so, other day? Every other day. Okay. Uh, so pre-1980s. All right. And going into the 80s, 90s, uh, kind of slowed down. But post-2008, 2009, 
it's not as prevalent as it once was. So this is a new thing, um, as far as a new trend. So we had SVB, short for Silicon Valley Bank, went under. Uh, now, even as I was prepping for this morning, it looks like that the European arm of this got purchased by a bank, and we're going to see what comes about uh, on the U.S. side. Uh, a lot of things being bantered around that you know the Fed's going to step in and bail out depositors. Janet Yellen, 18 hours ago, said, no, we're not going to do it. Uh, I think that may have changed. I know that the administra current administration did a press conference, didn't ask, answer a lot of questions. And so I don't know a lot of data. But I think, again, we'll know more about that coming in the coming days and weeks. Uh, but I wanted to give you kind of the short version of what we know as of Monday morning and run through some items that I think you want to hang on to. And then again, we'll update you as things go by. Now, I want to start this by saying that our clients and our portfolios have no direct exposure to Silicon Valley Bank. You know, we, we just don't in our portfolios. So will there could there be a, a short-term effect with the markets reacting? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but we'll see how, you know, what the fallout is. But the... Basically, the, the headlines is, you know, they got shut down on Friday. Investors got spooked, you know, for good reason. Uh, but we want to talk about, is this really a full-blown crisis? So we need to first explain what happened and why. And so the Cliff Notes version is that Silicon Valley Bank they definitely favored a niche clientele rather than a diversified client base. I think we talked about this in the beginning. A lot of startups, uh, which are can be volatile, they have a huge need for cash flow. And so that's what their niche was. So, so just uh, like everything else in the financial world, we've got a very broad word that gets kind of, I don't know, ingrained into our minds as meaning one very narrow thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we've talked before about you hear the word annuity, but you don't realize there's like, a you know, a, a, lots of different kinds of annuities. They have mm -hmm. all these different arms. And that's just one little example. Bank, you hear that and you just think, oh, the thing I go and put my money in as an everyday person and need to get my money out, my savings and my checking accounts and, you know, your Wells Fargo's and your maybe a credit union or something like that. But this is a different kind of bank, really its own category. Correct. Okay. Correct. And what SVB did is they bought interest rate sensitive bonds with its clients deposits. Now, what happened after that is they... You know, we've watched interest rates rise at the fastest pace in four decades, and SVB got hit with a wave of withdrawals as its clientele, clients' businesses started to weaken. So if you've got cash on the sidelines, like a lot of these businesses did, if orders go down, business slows down, uh, managing your debt becomes more expensive, they start needing that cash. And so since the bank has invested that money, They've got to sell those bonds for a loss, that, and the loss was so big that they couldn't make depositors whole. Now, what really started to ramp this up is the bank tried to raise capital because they didn't have a lender of last resort. So they went and said, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to raise money, and we want other institutions to loan us money so we can make these depositors whole. And they told its clients not to panic, which caused their clients to panic and ignited a bank run. And ultimately it failed because they didn't have the cash flow or the capital, excuse me, to make 
all those people hold. Hey, quick time out from today's episode. You know, it's it's tax season. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to that tax deadline. And so more and more people have tax questions, Scott. And so it's a perfect time to tell people about Elevated Tax Group. And it seems like this year in particular, based on what you were telling me before we recorded, people really need some tax advice this year is what you guys are finding. We are definitely, uh, definitely finding that. And we are, we're very excited to offer this new service to all of our clients. Uh, it's something that we've talked about a lot, and it wasn't until we found the right person um, to, to bring in with Pratik as our CPA, a very bright individual, great energy, and just someone that has really become part of the team, part of the family here at Elevator Retirement Group. But the Elevated Tax is just a, a sister company to us. That's who does our tax preparation. We've launched this early at the end of last year at our fall festival. We've done a few webinars and talked about it, and we've had unbelievable response. I mean, we have people every day coming in to meet with Pratik, dropping off documents. It was funny. I saw him walk by the other day. I'm like, it looks like you, you went shopping there. He had, had a paper bag, but it was full <laughs> of tax documents. Nice. Uh, but I can tell you, after looking at several clients' tax returns, because our process, when you come in, we want to look at the last two years of returns just to get a good good feel for what's been going on. And it's amazing what Pratik has found uh, as far as mistakes and things that we're probably going to go back and amend and get some people some money back. It's a, a fairly big number. I was really surprised because I sit down with him every day and kind of give a briefing. It's like, well, I, this is what I found and this is probably what we can save the client. So I think everyone's been very excited. I know that sounds funny about tax preparation, but very excited about the process we're going through, adding that additional service under one umbrella, one place you come to uh, for your financial plan, uh, get your tax preparation done at a very, uh, very reasonable cost. And again, depending on your situation, but I would encourage you um, if you're to the point where you don't want to do your taxes or you're looking for a different opinion or maybe someone that has a little more time to sit down and and go through things with you uh, really encourage you to give us a call set up a time to talk to Pratik uh, and see if what we do in our process is right for you i think you'll be pleasantly surprised all right it's the elevated tax group great opportunity especially this year with what they're finding to save money and uh, make sure that you're doing everything right from a tax perspective set up a free consultation with by calling the office and you can get set up to visit 913-393-4724 is the number 913-393-4724 great to hear about that scott thanks for filling us in on some details there uh, take action now before tax day arrives again call 913-393-4724 all right let's get back to today's episode so now let's let's unpack this right because that that was a lot that we covered there uh, now, how traditional banks work is they take deposits from people who have money and they make loans to people who need money. That's a bank. And the difference between the price paid for deposits and the interest rate on the loan is how banks make money. So if a bank sells a mortgage for 5% and pays a depositor 1% on their savings account, the bank's profit is 4%. So for you listening there, five minus one equals four. Right? So, the, we, yeah, got, so the, we all got that one, Scott. I know yes, it. we got it. Got <laughs> it. Well, in traditional banks, can for every deposit, the, every dollar on deposit, they can loan it out seven times. So they can loan, if your dollar comes in, 
and then that dollar can be loaned out against seven times. So think about $100,000, they're paying that depositor 1% on 100,000. But if they're charging five people 5% on $500,000, $100,000 each, they're making profit on all five of those loans. So that's one way they make money. Uh, banks also borrow short and lend long. So for example, you know, checking accounts allow customers to withdraw as much as they want whenever they want. But loans like mortgages, they can last several years. So banks, they've got to manage that mismatch of short-term and long-term. And again, SVB was anything but traditional. Uh, they catered primarily to Silicon Valley startups, uh, hence its name. And this clientele is unique compared to most corporate banking clients. You know, so for years, these companies were swimming in cash. You know, money was cheap from early stage investors and profitable business models fueled by really low interest rates, artificially suppressed interest rates. Uh, but customers with lots of cash also don't need loans, and they create an imbalance for the bank. And SCB had to do something with all this cash, or else it had no way to make money. So one option would be to buy a six-month treasury bond. Right now, they're yielding about 5.32 today, uh, while the average savings account pays 0.23 which is crazy to think about. So it makes the choice obvious, right? Yeah, very obvious. So for every billion dollars in deposits, the bank could earn around $51 million annually with zero risk of default. All right, so pretty good deal. SVB had over $1.7 billion in deposits, which could theoretically generate $8.9 billion in revenue annually if they just followed that and invested in six months treasuries. But not too long ago, these bonds paid almost nothing. You know, the same six-month treasury bond on January 1st, 2022, yielded 0.19%. Now, even if deposit rates were at zero, $1 billion would have only generated $1.9 million in annual revenue, so not very much. And that's not enough to operate a large bank like SVB. So they turned to higher-yielding bonds instead. So to be clear, there were still risk-free or, at the minimum, extremely safe, but to earn an attractive yield... SVB bought longer dated bonds matured in years rather than months. So the further out the maturity date of a bond, the more sensitive it is to rising interest rates. So again, no big deal if the intent is to hold to maturity or to hang on to them until they mature. But SVB didn't have that luxury because they bought these bonds using their clients' deposits. Now, if one or two clients come asking for their money back, again, no big deal. You need to give it back to them. Sell some of the bonds at a loss, give the money back, and move on with life. But several clients were hit hard as interest rates rose at the fastest pace in four decades. They needed money to pay salaries, etc., and they asked SVB for their money back. They said, hey, we, we need these deposits back so we have to pay our overhead. we got to run our business. But that was a huge problem because the book value of those bonds was lower than what SVB paid for them. So again, higher rates equals lower prices. I mean, the bank couldn't pay it all back. Now, traditional banks are very careful about how they manage their loan book. Uh, so for example, if a bank lent 80% of its deposits to oil drillers and energy prices crashed, it could have a serious problem. For this reason, most banks do reviews, periodic reviews, to ensure that they don't loan too much money to one entity or industry. So it goes back to that diversification, spreading out the risk. I talk about a lot of baskets with a lot of eggs in, the, in each basket and a lot of people watching those basket of eggs. Uh, SVB, 
they had pretty much one basket and they put all their eggs in that basket. And if you think of compare that to a traditional bank is short on funds, they borrow from other banks or directly from the Federal Reserve. And so this system is very well managed and highly regulated, ensure that the bank runs experienced during like the Great Depression don't happen again. But SUV was not regulated like most other large banks. Hence, they're not privy to the same perks as a JP Morgan. So their only option was to raise money to pay back their depositors. And they tried that on Thursday by announcing a stock sale to plug the hole or raise enough money to meet withdrawals that could not be serviced by selling their bond portfolio. So on paper, this should work fine. You're short some money, so you go to raise capital and get back to business. This happens all the time in corporate America, but in the banking world, even the faintest sign of weakness is like blood in the water and it can spark panic because the government only insures the first $250,000 per account. So anything above this number of 250000 is subject to loss. And given most of SVB's clientele held deposits at, at multiples of that threshold, a bank run ensued. It also didn't help the CEO of SVB told the world to stay calm and not panic shortly after announcing the stock sale. And, so and, a little, and little it, too late. Jim Cramer is out there saying uh, to, to buy all of these different things that are now going bankrupt just days days before it happens. Correct. <laughs> And it, and it got an award by uh, Forbes by being one of the strongest banks in the country Oof. like five days ago. Uh, so and so there's going to be questioning some, you know, what how we were coming up with some of these things. Mm. Uh, but the experts don't know nothing. <laughs> they don't know everything, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but the bottom line, the drama surrounding the demise of SVB has been quick and shocking. But there's five important points you want to keep in mind before panicking. So, again, go back to that factual, logical information, not uh, hysteria, not the apocalypse du jour. And so there is five key important points. You want to hang on to these. Uh, first, the most almost certainly an isolated incident. Most large national banks diversify their deposits. They are more regulated and have less exposure to the investments that hurt SVB. So one of the things that Mike Sorrentino talks about, for example, is roughly 56% of SVB's deposits were locked up in securities compared to Bank America that has 28%. It's, it's apples and oranges comparing major big banks to SVB. Number two, SVB failing is most likely not another like Lehman Brothers moment or any other trigger switch for the next financial crisis. If you look at regulations enacted post-2008, they were explicitly designed to prevent a similar crisis. So big banks are now subject to higher capital ratios, meaning, hey, you've got to keep more money available to prevent them from taking on the risks that took down SVB. And these measures of strength have never been higher in history. An example of that would be excess reserves refer to the cash held by a bank above the reserve requirements that an authority sets. So there's a requirement and then there's an excess that they say, hey, we'll, we'll keep above that excess, not just the minimum. And those act like buffers during downturns to protect banks from losses and ensure that they have enough money to honor withdrawals. And in the white paper that we put out, uh, if you look at really 2009 uh, to today, uh, there's a pretty substantial excess uh, that's, that's out there. In most banks, and and there's we're talking trillions of dollars in excess uh, for the for the big banks. Uh, number three, unlike 
SVB, uh, rising interest rates tend to be good for traditional banks because they can charge more for loans while keeping the deposit rate fixed. If you notice, interest rates, mortgage rates are up, for example, uh, but that doesn't mean that your checking or savings accounts paying great returns. On average, checking and savings accounts, depending on the institution you go to, are fairly anemic compared to what a mortgage costs. And so this increases their spread and profitability. And the mega banks also get paid higher interest by the Fed on those excess reserves that, that we talked about. Uh, number four, while the media is having a field day with this apocalypse du jour, stoking as much fear and panic as possible, uh, banks do fail. Uh, we talked about, you know, pre-1980 that we have basically one every other day. In fact, it's rare to go a year without a new failure. If you look at uh, Federal Deposit Insurance Company, FDIC, they've got a chart out. If you look back in 2009, there was 140 banks that failed in 2009. There were an example going into the pandemic, uh, four that failed in 2020, zero that failed in 2021, zero that failed in 2022, and one as of this report uh, in 2023. So it's, it's not a not a everyday occurrence. And number five, uh, we talked about this before, our portfolios have no exposure to SVB. And if you look at, you know, small to medium sized bank, the average exposure across all strategies to the regional bank sector is approximately 0.03 across the board with us with a max of 0.16 if any concentration. So we've historically favored large national banks that are broadly diversified, not just in sources of revenue, but also in its loan book. And we see really little reason to change this preference anytime um, because it's been tried and true. So in summary, the bottom line is that SUE took on massive risk and they paid the price. Uh, but the odds that their demise could stoke another financial crisis appears fairly small. And I think what you're seeing this week is mostly emotional reactions. And we'll see what happens in the you know coming days. We'll keep you up to date. Uh, but again, I bring you back to the, the two questions that'll help you evaluate a lot of the things that you hear out in the media. And it's two questions. And the first one is, well, for what I'm listening to, what I'm reading, what I'm hearing, does it affect me? That's number one. And number two is, if it does, how much does it affect me, especially in the long term? Are we bound to see you know, the markets opened up down today. Well, that's, that's to be expected. You had major headlines. You shut a bank down on Friday. Things kind of go through the weekend and open up and, you know, people are still charged up and panicked. And so that's why we're seeing the, the market react. Um, but again, we'll, we'll keep you up to date. And if we feel like this is a bigger deal going forward, obviously we're going to educate you about that and reach out and talk about if there's anything that does need to be done at the time. Well, Scott, thank you so much for breaking all that down. I know it's a it's a really complex topic. You know, it's like we this is me is just like the everyday person. You're you're going along, living life, and then all of a sudden you hear there might be a bank run, and all of a sudden you're trying to become an expert and learn about different kinds of banks and what in the world Silicon Valley Bank is that I've never heard of before. Now it's dominating the news, and it might impact my everyday life. And so you talk about those emotional reactions. It it it's it happens so quickly, so fast, and 
and uh, it's hard to know which direction to turn. So getting your perspective on this is really helpful, and I appreciate you taking the time to do so for us today. Um, I know folks probably you know may have some additional questions, may want to talk a little bit more about it. If you want to get in touch with Scott, you can do that certainly anytime. You go to the website, listentoscott.com. Lots of information for you there and ways to reach out. Or, of course, pick up the phone, give them a call at 913-393-4724. The team is there, as always, 913-393-4724. That contact info is in the description of today's show as well. Scott, anything else you'd like to add to put a put a bow on this? I think I've rattled off enough for today. Yeah, like stuff. I say, stay tuned, and we'll keep putting out information that's logic, fact-based, non-emotional, and will ultimately help you make better decisions with your hard-earned money. Ultimately, pump the brakes on the panic. Let's take a deep. Let's all take a deep breath. Absolutely. All right, good. Good. That's wise counsel. That, that's my that's my big takeaway overall <laughs> with yes. all these other great details uh, that I'm taking a deeper breath today. Very good. Uh, well, very good. We got another great episode on tap coming up in our uh, next edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Until then, thanks for joining us. Take care. We'll see you soon. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.